0: Yesterday I was uh, doing some yard work. I hate yard work. Hated it. Do not like yard work at all. don't like really anything where I have to dig in dirt. But there's an interesting thing that happens. When I'm doing something like that, I, I, I quickly enter into my own zone and I don't mind that I'm dirty. I don't mind that I'm sweating. It just doesn't bother me at all. And of course, when you're all done and you, and you look at everything nice and fluffed up, all the mulch, everything feels real good. Uh, but in the moment, it doesn't bother me at all that I'm dirty and grimy. But as soon as I'm done, all of a sudden I'm noticing all this dirt in my fingernails and, and, and little bark chips clumped into my, uh, clumped into my hair. And it just, it just is nasty. And I just want to take a shower so bad. This uh, in the physical world mirrors what happens in the spiritual world. Oftentimes we're doing these things that the Bible calls sin, Not just doing individual things that are sins, but actually living a life that's apart from the way that God has ordered our life, and therefore we are in a condition called sin. And yet when we're in it, we're with other people who are doing the same things, whatever those things are, or not doing the things that Jesus would do. When we're in the midst of that whole lifestyle, whether it's greed or whether it's uh, uh, sex with people we're not married to or whether it's jealousy or whether it's gossip or whether it's, uh, it's, it's endless fury, fearing and worrying or whatever these things are. We, 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 we think it's normal. We don't even notice. But then when we got our spiritual senses about us, we say, oh, my goodness, what have I become? What did I just do? What is going on in me? And we have this natural desire to just wash ourselves to get rid of things. We're going to do something today that is one of the most ancient things that exists on our planet. Ancient things tap into something deep inside of us. I don't know if you've ever seen this tree in South Carolina. This is the, uh, one of the oldest living things anywhere. Maybe the oldest thing living anywhere for all I know. This tree, uh, they believe, started to sprout in 507 A.D., they were 1,500 years old. The circumference of this of this pin oak trunk is 25 feet. I mean, when I'm around something that's this old, there's this sort of this reverence, this, you know, if, if you know, we talk about if walls could talk, if trees could talk. What has this tree seen in 1,500 years? This tree was around during the Roman Empire, which was the arch nemesis of the, of, of the advancement of, of, of the message of Jesus. This, this tree has been around through the end of the Roman Empire. It's been around through the Renaissance, through the Enlightenment, through the Scientific Revolution, through the American Revolution, through the Industrial Revolution, through the Technological Revolution. It just keeps going. Things that are ancient, that have been around for a, a while, strike a chord deep inside of us. It's, it's instinctual. One of the most ancient, powerful things that's ever happened is when God gets a hold of a life and the Spirit enters a life. The Holy Spirit enters a life. And what people have been doing for generation after generation after generation is undergoing the sacrament, the sacred rite of baptism. It's been around for a long, long time. In fact, in the very first century, we had these people, as we talked in this series, getting filled with the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, they do amazing things. They start speaking languages that they had never learned before to tell other people who Jesus is. And people who are hearing this happening are thinking that they're just crazy. They're off the rocker. One of the early leaders in the movement that uh, that, that Jesus was about uh, says this: Peter says, "Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit." The promise is for you and your children. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. When you repent, when you turn your attention towards, towards Jesus, when you want to rid yourselves of, of your sins, of your dirt, when you're turning to Jesus, there is, a, there is baptism that takes place and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit again is not an aura. Holy Spirit is not a force. The Holy Spirit is not something that is to be grown in awareness of. He is a person that inhabits people. And He wants to be in environments that are trending towards God the Father. And that's the environment that receives Jesus. So then what happens again in the book of Acts, chapter 10, another time when somebody is baptized, it says this. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. There was a massive division in the first century, in many ways still is today, the division of of, of Jews, God's original chosen people, and then everybody else, Gentiles. Jesus was a Jew, came primarily in the early stages of the faith, really trying to help Jewish people see that He is God, He is the Messiah. And there's this... This combative relationship that even in the first century existed between Jews and Gentiles, even people who had received the Spirit, people who were followers of Christ who were Jews and everybody else—it was this—it was this antagonism that's sort of like East versus West, you know. You know, we sort of have this, you're different, I'm different. We kind of wear our our stuff with pride. But yet there's this difference and maybe this uh, antagonism that sometimes exists between Eastsiders and and Westsiders. And this is the way it was in the first century, except even much more, it wasn't a playful thing. It was a very uh, vehement antagonism that existed. And Peter's trying to help people see that God is breaking down all of these barriers, all of these distinctions. And here we have Gentiles who are starting to speak in tongues, who are starting to manifest amazing ways to tell God, tell people who God is. They've already received the Holy Spirit. And so Peter says, how can we stop them from being baptized? How? Now, do you see the common denominator in these stories and many others? Common denominator is is baptism. Now, in the first one, people are baptized or or repent and then they can be baptized. And when they were baptized, then they can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's like baptism, receive the Holy Spirit. This one, these people have already received the Holy Spirit and now they are to be baptized. We talked about how the Spirit is always doing something unique in all people. He doesn't follow a systemized, standardized uh, plan. He does unique things. But the common denominator is there's a major marking that happens when you become Baptized, and we're going to give you the opportunity to do that today. You are going to be standing in a stream that runs deep. You're going to be standing in a stream that runs throughout generations all over the world. Jesus, before he left the earth, he said, "Baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit." Here we see in 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 chapter ten, being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, being baptized in that name. Some people who are real religious and real anal get really excited about saying the exact thing when someone's baptized. Either I baptize you in the name of Jesus or I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. God doesn't care which one you'd say. What is being said here is you're not to be, you're to be baptized in the proper identity of who God is. This is not a spiritual thing that spiritual people like to do. It's not a refresher course that people like to do that remember something happened a long, long time ago. It's not a step that people do to, to have a spiritual experience. This is when you receive the identity of Jesus, the identity of, of who He is, God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And when you have the opportunity to stand in a stream that's gone over the globe, you want to take a hold of that. In the book of Acts chapter 8, one more example of this is when there is a high governing official. He's also called a eunuch in the book of Acts chapter 8. High governing officials would oftentimes have to be castrated so they weren't a threat to the higher authorities and and, and having a coup over the government because they wouldn't do a coup if um, if they couldn't pass on their seed and start their own dynasty, if you will. Yeah, that was the price of climbing the ladder. You didn't really want to get promotions back then, I guess. And this, uh, this, this, this eunuch is, is reading the Bible and, and things are starting to speak to him and he's starting to come alive spiritually. And another follower of Christ, his name is Philip, comes along and helps him understand what's happening. And here's what it says. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, Look, here's water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. This powerful rich person, so rich and so powerful, he has chariots. Okay, Jesus doesn't just come for the poor. He also comes for the rich. is, 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 is gripped and said, right now, I see water right here. Right here, here's water. What can stop me right now from being baptized? And Philip says, nothing. Let's do it. Absolutely nothing. You're going to have the opportunity to be baptized today. Let me tell you um, uh, what this is about. This is about being put down underwater. And when you're put down underwater, you're likening yourself to Jesus who was placed in the grave, you're going into the grave. And as you come up out of the water, it's as if you leave your dirt, leave your old self behind, and you come back with power. It's like you're raised and you have a new identity. Some of us have already received this identity. You received the Holy Spirit. But this is something that you have never done. And perhaps you've never done it. And it's a sign of why the Spirit seems to not be full inside of you, because you don't want to do something that is embarrassing. You don't want to do something that would be uncomfortable. You don't want to do something. Well, yes, these are difficult things. But God wants to know, do you want me or do you want your ego? Which is it that you want? Some of us have never done this before. Perhaps you have as, a, have as a baby and that's cool. Nothing wrong with that. We baptize infants around here. We'll also dedicate, dedicate infants if that's what a parent, parents want to do. There's, there's a place for rights like that. But this is something when you, in and of your own mind, in and of your own volition, you decide that you're going to declare yourself. Last night we had a woman who was uh, from China, been in the United States for about a year and a half now, started coming to Crossroads, had absolutely no spiritual background, no religious background at all, coming from a communist country. And, um, and she came to know who Jesus was by learning English, by reading the Bible. And she, uh, she came to know Christ here in the midst of one of our community groups. And, and she was really squirrely about uh, being interviewed afterwards, because if word gets back to China, she's on her way back. If word gets back to China, there are major, major consequences for her in China for having received Jesus in the way in which she operates. But yet she declared herself. And I put a microphone in front of her face. She declared herself. And this is what used to happen in the first century. People would say, it's not about my comfort. I want more of God. That's what I want. And if it means that I die, that's fine. I want God. I want a filling. I want the possibility of a filling. And that's what this is today. If you've never done this before, if you've done this before, and you said, oh, I just need a little touch up. No, this is not for you. If you're a little kid right here and your mom's saying, hey, this would be a great Mother's Day present, why don't you go do that for me? No, not a good idea. <laughs> don't, uh, don't, don't do that. This is for people who right now are ready to receive Jesus. And there may be a filling that comes afterwards or maybe it's been in process. Or this is for people who have received Jesus, but your heart's been hardened to this ancient rite that every committed follower of Christ goes through. We have everything thought through. If you're thinking, "Oh no, I came in white, and I don't want any wet T-shirt contest," no worries. We have black T-shirts, scads of them back there. We're gonna take. You're wondering about yourself and what happened. We have that. We have every system taken care of to remove the barrier for you. For some of us, this is gonna be a moment of feeling. It's gonna be something special. We're going to mark ourselves right now. God, as we uh, as we think through this process for ourselves and for other people. I pray that you would, you would give us clarity and you would also help us be in touch with our own motives and why we're thinking the things that we're thinking. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to be part of an ancient holy act that we get to witness and some of us be part of. Thank you for moments like this.